What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Make It Work podcast. This is Stephanie. And this is Morgan. How are you guys doing? It feels kind of weird because we literally just recorded yesterday. So I feel like I haven't even taken a break from you guys. (laughs) Which we're not mad about. Uh, We just have life stuff going on. So doubled up recording this week so that we can actually get one out on time for you. You're welcome, because I'm going on vacation, and rather than taking a vacation from you, we're just going to, basically, Morgan's giving up on sleep. So, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, and you owe me an apology. A good one. We taught you how. Go listen to the last episode if you didn't listen. (laughs) Yes. Because God knows everybody needs to know how to give an apology. And Mm -hmm. then, while we were in the last episode, we decided we really need to go ahead and talk about being in a relationship with an alcoholic, so that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. Uh, Your situation is obviously different than mine because you were married and because the person admitted at one point or another that they had a problem. Um, In my situation, we were not married. We did live together. And he was evasive about the fact that there was a problem and used weird words to describe his relationship with alcohol so we can, we'll get there. Yeah, for sure. Rate, review, subscribe, five stars, all of that. You know the drill, tell a friend. Because this is a kind of serious topic, so we want to get into it. As Morgan said, my ex-husband at the end did admit a problem, that he had a problem. But he, part of me feels a little guilty talking about this because he doesn't have a platform to defend himself. But the other part of me is like, ah, this is cathartic and I'm going to talk about it. And I have never told a lie about him. So there's that. Yeah, we're not using anyone's names. We're not trying to drag anybody through the mud um, about this topic because it's an, a problem that they had. Uh, my main goal is to talk about what it's like on this side of things, like not having a substance abuse problem, being with someone who does what that felt like, um, how you act at home versus how you act out in public with people, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. I was actually at an infusion today and my mom and I were having a discussion on the way home and we were talking about getting remarried and like you know just like dating as you're older or as you're divorced or widowed or whatever and she was talking about my divorce she goes it was like 90 percent his fault but basically 10 percent your fault because you enabled him and hid things she's like i know you were trying to do what was best and it was because you love him you loved him it was because you loved him but you did keep it from everybody And as we said yesterday or last episode, I mean, at the same time, you and I were going through very similar situations. You're my best friend in the entire world. We did not talk about it till it was over. No, I was like annoyed sometimes that he would drink when I asked him not to because he would snore. And obviously I don't like snoring as we've talked about before, too. And, like, fuck up my sleep. And I'd be like, ugh, you know, so-and-so, you know, was playing video games with his friends last night and got drunk and, like, kept me up, blah, 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 that kind of thing. But not until it was over was I, like, really uh, open about 
all of the bullshit. And that's unbelievable that both of us for years were going through the same thing. Yeah. And I and didn't have each other to relate to. I know. And it's heart wrenching. And I look back on that version of Stephanie and I feel this like soft spot for her. And my heart breaks for her because she did feel so alone in that. And it didn't have to be that way. And I hope that if you're in a similar situation, sometimes you're not going to be ready to hear this. And that's okay. And if you're not ready to hear this, you don't have to listen. And like any other situation in life, you have to choose when you want to get help or when you want to decide to draw boundaries with other people in your life. But... If you are ready to hear this and if there's even this like slight notion that your partner, I guess this could also apply to like a parent having a problem, but more so our perspective as a partner. I hope you listen to what we went through and what helped us and that it helps you stand up for yourself and what you deserve. Right. And sometimes that's leaving. Yeah. For both of us, it was. It was actually, I didn't tell Morgan I left my ex-husband for a couple weeks because I, I had a lot of shame, like a lot of shame, not just because the alcoholism, I knew that was happening and I knew that was a problem and that was, I do take responsibility for enabling parts of that, but the cheating I was so ashamed of and as if you have been cheated on, you know that feeling where you hold yourself responsible, which is such bullshit, not true, but you have to come to that yourself. And then I told you and you're like, I'm in a similar situation, not on the cheating part. And I've been thinking about leaving and you left like that week. I left really quickly after you and I had the conversation about your marriage ending. Yeah. Like it was so soon. And you were like, I've been wanting to leave. Well, I'd been thinking about it because I would just get more and more annoyed with every episode. Mm-hmm. And in my head, the, the, ver- the first inconvenience with him, I would be like, that's it. I'm fucking done. Like in my head, that's where my brain was going. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before. I woke up one morning very soon after you and I had our conversation about your marriage. And I was like, this is not my life. This can't be my life. This isn't, I'm too good for this. God, I'm so, it makes me so happy to hear because I think that's really the feeling you have to have. It's like, what? why, why am I tolerating this? Right. And, you know, especially since you weren't married, you're like, I care about this person, but clearly the feelings are not mutual. Because you tried to get that man help so much. And that's what's so fucking hard is it takes you realizing that you have a problem or that they have a problem and then realizing that you deserve better than just allowing them to wallow in this problem. Exactly. And for him, I think at least at the end in the last four or five months, it was depression. Yeah. Like a solid you know, dip in mood across the board consistently for him. And that could have very well been because a month before that was when I gave him an ultimatum about the drinking, like we talked about last episode. Um, And that may have been kind of the beginning of the end. I think it was. 
So let's start talking about being in it and not even like having leaving on our radar and what it's like to be with someone who has a drinking problem. Oh God. Okay. Uh, for me, it was when I, I guess that's more so when I decided to leave. Okay. When I was in it, it was survival mode. It would be like, occasionally I would make a comment about something that embarrassed me or I had one, I can think of one incident specifically where it was a multi-substance issue and I saw some symptoms that as a nurse made me really scared. And I remember the next day being like crying because it wasn't just drinking like I was used to the drinking. I'd had to carry him home more times than I can count. I have had to pick him up because he, in the very beginning of a relationship back when we were in college, he drove once and I lost my shit and threatened to leave. So he was good about not driving, but I would have to pick him up all the time. And he would do horrible things and I would have to make excuses and cover up his behavior and, you know, try to get him to leave before I, could, I knew the warning signs that it was about to get bad. And I remember being on vacation at one point. I was with him and a bunch of his guy friends. And I knew he was on the verge of blacking out. Like there was just, you just know. I mean, you probably would be able to say the same thing. It's You just know when things are about to get to where you can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can't protect him anymore and it's going to be dangerous for you. And I just, after that long, at this point, we'd probably been together like four or five years. I was like, "Mm, things are about to get out of hand. I was like, we need to go home. But I didn't have any girls there with me on this trip. I was just with a bunch of guys and and I didn't feel great. So I was like, I want to go home. He's about to get to where I can't handle it. Which also, it sucked the fun out of fucking everything for me because... I couldn't get too drunk or really enjoy myself or relax because I knew I was going to have to take care of him, which makes me kind of resentful now. Yeah, I had that same experience too. Because you're like, I can't enjoy myself because if I let my guard down, there's no way you're going to fucking take care of me. Right. Not that I feel like either of us would have need to be taken care of, but it's you get to a point where you're like carefree and you're not in the place where you're going to take care of or babysit anybody else. Yeah. And it's and I know and it's that's the thing is like not even just take care of myself. I know I'm going to take care of him. Right. And they can't control it. So they're just going to go and go and go until they fucking pass out. Yeah. And they don't stop. That's the thing with an alcoholic is they don't have a glass of wine at dinner. They have a couple bottles of wine at dinner. And I remember being on this vacation and we were with all those guys and we were at one of our favorite bars and I just saw it coming. I was like, we need to leave. And they're like, Stephanie, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I was like, you know what? This isn't my problem. I'm on vacation. You guys want to keep drinking. I'm going to get an Uber home. And they're like, Stephanie, that's not safe. I was like, oh, it's safer than fucking being here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to Uber myself home. You deal with them. You get them home safe. You want to make me feel guilty and like the nag because anybody who knows me knows I'm not like a fun sucker. I'm a good time. And I, it was his very best friend in the world. I, and I love him very much. Like his best friend is still a good human who checks in on me. And 
I went home, I watched Netflix, I laid on the couch, I did a face mask, I'm just <laughs> thriving, living, have a little bit of a buzz, had another glass of wine by myself. And they come home, they had lost him for a while, and they had called me and I, I didn't answer. <laughs> and they come home and his best friend, I almost dropped his name, is like on the verge of tears. And he's like, Stephanie, I'm so sorry. I had no idea this is what it always came to. I don't know how you fucking do this. I was like, yeah, I told you he needed to go home. There's always a moment where a person close to them looks at you like the their person, their caretaker, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. and is like, holy shit, how do you deal with that? Yeah. And, um, and at the time, I was like, I loved him. So I was like, I love him. But yeah, it's exhausting. So from now on, don't make me feel bad. And when I say it's time to go home, do you think any of his friends ever gave me shit about me being like, hey, we're leaving. Get him in a fucking Uber. No, no one ever said a fucking word to me again. Because if they did, his best friend was like, shut the fuck up. She's right. He needs to go home. Yeah. And he like, I guess, had left the bar. It's on like the main road in 30A and there was construction going on and they had lost him. They had no idea where he went. They knew he was blackout, had no idea what was going on. He was like, had been going in and out of traffic. When they tried to stop him, he tried to fight them. And my ex-husband, he's not as big as the dude I'm dating now, but he's a big dude. Like heavier set, 6'2". They're not going to stop him if he doesn't want to be stopped. Mm-hmm. and they lost him for like an hour so they're all stressed out and scared and they get him in an uber and he's being non-compliant in an uber which was just i'm sure exhausting because i've been in that situation before and i just remember that look on their face like holy shit this is your life mm. yeah i've lost him multiple times before i lost him well one time i lost him was because i think somebody tried to roofie me and i didn't feel good so i let him finish my drink and I knew how no. he drank because like, I know like his, I knew his levels and he went from like a, like a two to like a nine immediately. And I was like, either, what did you do? Like, what drugs did you do? I was so mad. Cause I was like, that's not just alcohol. You didn't just have this one drink and then you're this fucked up. Like mm-hmm. you, you drink too much. Like I know. And, um, I lost it. We were in Murfreesboro. We had had a hotel for the night cause it was alumni night. We had moved out and somebody had had a hotel, wasn't able to come and gave it to us. And I literally lost the guy till four o'clock in the morning. And he came back. We were in a city and he was covered in mud and sticks and had oh no idea what was going on. I was like, where the fuck have you been? Just total blank stare. He had done some shitty stuff before he left, which is why I had let him leave. I didn't, I thought that he would just go downstairs and I didn't feel safe at the time. So I'd allowed it to happen. And then I just lost him. I, I had no idea where he was till like four o'clock in the morning. No fucking clue. It's so stressful. It's so stressful. And I think back, I'm like, why the fuck did I live that way? Cause it doesn't have to be like that. No. And they always like come home from a situation like that and pass out like a fucking baby and sleep amazing. And like, you know, feel hungover the next morning and then they have questions for you about what happened and you didn't sleep a wink because you were fucking worried or upset. Yeah, I'm like, you were a monster and then I lost you and then I was terrified driving by myself at three o'clock in the morning, not knowing where you are, calling your friends who were also all drunk so they didn't help me. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm alone and I can't leave you. I, I just I, there's so many scenarios like looking back, even the last night I was with my ex-husband. What's a scenario you look back on that you can't believe that you tolerated? My so your ex had like a bunch of friends that you would go out with. My ex had like one friend who lived far away. He would pretty much just like play video games from the time that he got home to the time he fell asleep. And while he was doing that, he would drink. That sucks. And I always was trying to get him out to do stuff and spend time with me. (laughs) And my dad's in a band and my dad played um, gigs at a couple bars that were within like 25, 30 minutes from our house. So I would have him go to the gigs with me. And, you know, of course, like I would always end up just being DD or we would have to spend like $50 on an Uber because it wasn't close. Yeah. It would always start with the who's going to not drink conversation. Like I didn't already know that it was going to be me who was going to have to drive at my own dad's event, you know? Yeah. Um. And there would always be a conversation beforehand to like, well, last time, you know, you got really drunk and you're acting ridiculous in front of my family. So maybe you don't drink the 10% IPAs and at the bar, like maybe have a couple light beers and like a lot of water. Like, let's just remember to drink a lot of water. <laughs> maybe eat a snack. <laughs> maybe eat something. Um And he would always like roll his eyes at me and be like, you're being ridiculous. I'm an adult. I know how to handle myself, blah, blah, blah. And it would always devolve into him being fucking embarrassing. But, you know, halfway through and then to the end of the relationship, it wasn't so much about him doing something that turned out to be embarrassing. It was me not having any fun because I was closely monitoring everything that he was doing when we would go out to a bar whether it was with like peers or to go see my dad's band play. Yeah. It was like, okay, well you just drank that 10% beer in two minutes and you just ordered another one. So like maybe take a break. And it just turned into me babysitting and monitoring every fucking move that he made while I was out. And I was like looking to have fun too, because keep in mind, During the majority of our relationship, it wasn't very long. It was like about two years, but I was in a full-time nursing program. I wasn't working because I was in nursing school full-time. And, you know, it was a stressful program. Had a lot of classes at once, clinicals, you know, multiple times a week in addition to like five or six classes. And it was stressful and we had a conversation before my program started where it was really sweet and he was like this year's about you I just want to do whatever I can to make sure that you can get through this year stress-free lol and it's like yeah that's cute like when you're going to sleep a little tipsy and you're like having fun nice cute thoughts and then zero fucking follow-through because you're drinking Anywhere from six to ten strong beers a night while you fucking sit there like a load and play Fortnite. I was like, I'm, it was just like, who the fuck is this? 
Yeah. How did I get Why here? would I choose that? I don't know. And unfortunately, it makes me neurotic currently. You know, I'm like worried every time I have a drink with my boyfriend, like, well, are things going to get out of hand? Or when we were on vacation, it was like, well, is he going to get really drunk and like piss the bed or get sick all over himself and all that shit? He never did, but or does, but it's still in the back of my head all the time. And it's it stops me from having the best time that I can. Yeah, agreed. I feel like I drink sick. I've never been like a huge drinker. But I drink significantly less because when you when alcohol was such a toxin in your life, it's hard to make it fun again Mm -hmm. because it just brought so much stress. It was never just it was never just an easy, casual night. It was never just a glass of wine like they can't do that. That's a huge red flag for you. Like if you're in a relationship, you think your partner has a drinking problem because every time they drink, they just can't stop. That is alcoholism. Right. And I would have conversations with my ex like early on because he would bring over alcohol every time he would come over to my apartment. And I would always just have whatever was still left over there sitting in my fridge or my freezer. And he'd be like, what the fuck? Why is this still here? And I'm like, because I don't fucking drink. Like, <laughs> Don't drink alone because that's sad to do right. every day. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I would drink with him, especially in the beginning and be like, haha, yeah, we're like, it's a new relationship and we like love each other so much and it's so new and like, let's just have fun all the time and everything's fun. Uh, until you're like, all right, I'm sick of waking up dehydrated every day. Can we like not drink tonight? And it would be like, a, sh- a shock for him to not want to drink that night yeah and then I remember it was too like I would like to have a night without drinking which at the end he told me that he felt like he wasn't fun if he wasn't drunk like that was the root of his problem was that he didn't have the confidence to think that he was a good time without being drunk And, like, being fun was important to him and, like, what other people thought of him. I was like, I enjoyed time with him a lot more when he wasn't hammered. I was like, you're exhausting Mm -hmm. when you're drunk. It's not fun. You're not fun when you're drunk. Right. And people may, like, laugh and have a good time with you. But, like, people who care about you aren't enjoying themselves because they're nervous about you, including me. Mm -hmm. But... Also, then towards the end, when I wasn't doing well and I wasn't, I was really sick he would make things really miserable like he didn't want to be around my friends and if it wasn't his friends then I basically had to get him to drink or if it was my family to drink so that he wasn't an asshole because if I asked him to do something sober he was going to make it a miserable experience for me that's Jesus yeah, it was like, like if I had a long day at work and I wanted to enjoy my night off when I went to the grocery store, because I did most of the cleaning, all of the cooking, all the grocery shopping, all of that. And I'd be like, OK, I'm really tired. 
and I want to have a good night. So if I get him some beer, he won't be a dick. Right. It like is at the forefront of your head constantly. Yeah. You never stop thinking about it. You never stop worrying about it. Um, as soon as they like crack their first beer when they get home from work, it's like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what my ex is doing now. Me neither. Uh, but I hope that he hasn't fucked up his job because that was probably going to be the next thing to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had absolutely no credit. He was spending all of his money on like fucking motorcycle bullshit, cigarettes and beer. We lived in his parents' house because his parents didn't live in in the state. They lived out of state. But he like barely paid rent to his parents and still sometimes wouldn't give them the money. Like it was just a trashy situation, honestly. And it was something that I am embarrassed that I was even a part of because I think very highly of like how I grew up and how I have educated myself and worked really hard. And I'm definitely happier with the position that I found myself in now, but I feel like I could be, you know, doing even better had I not spent two years worrying about um, my boyfriend getting drunk every day. Yeah. It's just a lot of brain power and a lot of emotional strain. And as empathetic people, you and I focus a lot on the other person and not so much on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I totally fucking let myself go diet wise, exercise wise. And it wasn't like a, ha, we're so happy. Like all we do is like eat and fuck and watch movies. And it's like the honeymoon phase where you like gain a couple pounds because you're just hanging out with someone all the time. And all there is to do because you love them so much is to like eat, drink, watch TV and get it on. Yeah. It was like, you know what? I'm in nursing school full time and I don't have the energy or frankly the money to go do a full grocery shop and to cook and then to clean up afterwards because you're not going to fucking do anything. So let's just order pizza again. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's just, God, it was just, it was shitty. Mm -hmm. I was there for seven years. That's asinine. It was a quarter of my life. Oh, I don't like it when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's today's also my wedding anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> Your ex owes me like $2,500. <laughs> don't even get me started on what that man owes me. I'm going to Venmo request him. Happy anniversary. Here's all the money that I spent on your wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you totally didn't take seriously and fucked up big time. Yeah. I get kind of resentful in that situation. And that I will never get, I'll never have a a normal wedding because you can't have like a big extravagant second wedding and I don't want to. I'll never get engaged for the first time again. It won't, like I've already been married. Like all that stuff that's so special, I've already done and I can't get back and it didn't mean anything to him. Do you think that 
it devolved the way it did because of his like inability to control himself with alcohol and you know probably an underlying psychological issue honestly i don't know i a long time ago i felt this need to like understand why it happened and i've just accepted that i never will but i think the triggering factor was as y'all know i have a medical condition it's been better under control for a while with medicines called biologic modifiers and I switched to a PRM position, so I made more money and been on his insurance because his insurance actually covered the medicine I was on, and then his insurance stopped paying for it, and I got really sick, and then I got into a drug trial at the Mayo Clinic and was starting that, and it, but coming off that medicine before I could get on a new one made me super duper sick. And I had taken care of him for so long and really I needed him, but more so I just couldn't take care of him and couldn't take care of the house and he didn't cope with it. Like he told me at the end that he felt like he was watching me like die. He's like, I felt like I was watching you weather away to like sit there and watch you be so sick and so miserable and like laying on the bathroom floor puking and like the only energy you have you put into going to work. Because I've been somebody, like, for my psychological health, like, I had to work. I'm still like that. Like, it doesn't matter how sick I am. Like, I need to go to work because I need to feel purpose. And he would get really mad that the energy I did have, I would spend on working. And then I would come home and just be not okay. And it upset him. And so in order to deal with that, rather than handling it like a big boy, he would drink. And he drank more and more. And it went from every weekend him getting blackout drunk to almost every single day getting blackout drunk. And I wasn't okay. And so I didn't deal with it. And I also cared about him a lot. And it was humiliating. He would do stupid shit and say stupid shit. And I hid it all because I didn't want anybody to think poorly about him. And I wanted to protect him. And so we were just in this little bubble and nobody knew that like our world was crumbling. And I think because I couldn't take care of him and handle it when he had someone who did show him affection and attention, he jumped on it. I mean, he thought out told me when he told me about it, he's like, well, she's like, that's so fucked. She's like a younger you who looks at me the way that you used to and thinks that I'm really great. And I'm like, okay, well, she doesn't wash your shit off the toilet or pack your fucking lunch every day. So super easy or, you know, carry you up the stairs because I sent you downstairs to get something and you literally went into a blackout and had no idea where you were or had to pick you up after they worked in the emergency room at three o'clock in the morning because your friends couldn't handle you anymore. Like she didn't have to deal with that stuff. So, yeah, I'm sure she thinks you hung the fucking moon. Right. Like, 
everyone's so great until they fucking vomit on themselves next to you in bed. Yeah, until they pee the bed for the fourth time or Mm -hmm. until you literally have to carry someone who's like 300 pounds up three flights of stairs because you live in the third story and you don't know what you're going to fucking do because you're not sure if you can make it up the last flight of stairs, but you can't leave them blacked out, passed out on a stair landing. Mm -hmm. Or been scared because you found them basically asleep in a bar and they can't even pick you up and they got so black out of you to go find them. Like I, I'm sure she did think she's lovely. So I think, I think we were going through a lot and he chose to cope by drinking. And then when that didn't get my attention, he found someone else. It would give him attention. It's just overall immature. Yeah. I didn't fucking deserve that, but that took me a while and I wanted him so badly to be sorry. And he wasn't, he wasn't sorry. Right. Which, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck him. Fuck mm-hmm. it. Everything is so much better. And God, I, I like me so much better. I like my life so much better in every single way. Everything about my life is better than when I was in that marriage. But my heart still breaks for, like, that Stephanie. Yeah, that Stephanie had a lot on her shoulders. Yeah. My heart still um, breaks for and you. When, what? Like, that version of you, like, coming home to that and being... I nursing school was so fucking miserable to the idea. If he had been... Like, at that point, if... Mm, I almost said his name. <laughs> we, he was in a fraternity, so when he drank like that, it wasn't that big of a deal. And there was other people around and stuff like that. Like, if I had been in nursing school and also taking care of him, I don't know what I would have done. Uh, it was seriously awful and I would get fucking pissed off every single night and I would have to go like sleep in another room because he would be like snoring, um, and not arousable. So I had no option but to like pick myself up and go elsewhere to get sleep before having to wake up at like 4.30 in the morning for clinicals and that kind of thing. And it just wasn't fucking fair and I would get angry and I knew it wasn't fair. And then I would nag and bring little shit up all the time because it was just like, you're not doing fucking anything literally except coming home and drinking and playing video games. Like, you wouldn't, would you eat if I didn't order food or make food? You know, would the house ever not be a fucking pigsty if I didn't spend my weekends off? doing dishes and cleaning yeah would your pet ever get fed if i didn't do it like it was bizarre and you know i assume those things were happening before me but maybe it's because his brother lived in that house i think they're i hope they're happening now you know but for when you were talking about how his friend, his best friend in the world was like, I don't know how you deal with this. That was like the night of Christmas where I was talking about in the last episode where it just kind of everything hit a boiling point And I was like, I'm out unless this changes. His fucking parents were like, you deserve better than this. Yeah, that's his parents. Rough. That's rough. I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, fuck yeah, obviously I deserve better than this, but 
that's really fucking sad that my boyfriend's parents feel that way about him. God, I wish my ex-husband's parents were decent human beings and would have felt that way. <laughs> well, they're not. They're not. They're horrible. <laughs> my my ex-husband's parents, when they found out, were mad that I didn't tell them that he had a problem, which they had no idea he drank. Or if they did, they pretend like they didn't because they are deep Southern Baptists who think that all alcohol is bad, which creates this environment. But they told me that they told us that if we would have put God first in our marriage and if I would have gone to church that my ex-husband wouldn't have cheated on me or felt the need to find validation elsewhere. That's really cute. Super cute. Really. No, I can't imagine where his issues come from at all. Can't be held responsible for anything he does. No. No. Can't imagine how how any of it got to this. <laughs> you know, it's just really hard to put my finger on the root of the problem. I know. I guess that's, I'm trying to think. I think that's what it was like. You had that. I think what made me, the cheating is what pushed me, but really what made me know that there was an issue was how much I was having to hide. And I'm not someone who hides things or lies about things. And that so much of my life, I couldn't tell anyone about. I was like, I need, I need to do something. Like I need, I need to fix something. Yeah, I don't know that it got to that point because we weren't together for that long. Yeah. With my situation, but I definitely did less socially because I was worried about like being embarrassed by him. Or he was just like isolating himself and wouldn't go do anything. And I was like, well, is it one of the main perks of having a boyfriend that you have a like a partner in crime to go do stuff with when you don't want to go somewhere by yourself? Yeah. It just makes things more enjoyable rather than making every day more miserable. Mm-hmm. And he was depressed, I think, and he isolated himself from everyone and didn't want to go do anything except drink and play fucking Xbox. Yeah. The threats that I made to that Xbox, dude. <laughs> the fact that you didn't throw out a window is astounding. I was like, I will take a fucking baseball bat to your Xbox. I swear to God. I never did, but maybe I should go back. <laughs> Don't go back. <laughs> and just, just to destroy the Xbox. They just have like a break in and the Xbox is missing. But mm -hmm. really it's out in the yard just smashed into pieces. And he just yeah. knows that it was you. <laughs> You know, I don't even feel angry enough to go through with that. At one point, I definitely, <laughs> it would have taken some persuading to not go do that. Um, but like you said, things are so much better now. The relationship I'm in now is unfucking believable Yeah. Perspective, man. Fucking incredible. I'd be like, well, I can be with someone who, you know, maybe doesn't think I'm funny, but will have the same sex drive as me. Or maybe I'll end up with someone who, um, you know, is really close-minded about the world, but um, will go actually do stuff with me. <laughs> it was like, no. No. You don't deserve any of it. <laughs> Like, why, why, why? I don't know why I, did, I thought I deserved to live that life. I think because we both 
um, not necessarily enjoy, but like it adds purpose to our lives to feel like someone needs us. That's very and true. they don't they don't feel like they need us. They think that they're like the super fun, chill people because they are just drunk all the time, right? They're not chill. Not chill. No. Zero chill. So it gives us something to do. Yeah, that's true. And there's so much more to do. Yeah. Like so many other things I'd rather do in my whole life that I will never go back to that point ever. Mm-mm. And I also, I think leaving that, I'm like in this relationship, people are like, I can't believe you're dating again. I was like, I left, I went through a divorce and with the lowest parts of my life from an alcoholic who cheated on me, literally I'm not scared to be alone or go through anything. There's nothing this person can do to me that I haven't already been through that I'm not afraid to walk away. (laughs) Right. I'm fine. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm plenty strong enough to handle whatever fucking life can throw at me. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking back, it's just a bummer because... I wish that it wasn't something that I still thought about, not necessarily the person or the relationship, because I really don't think about that often. Um, But, you know, going out for drinks with my boyfriend and a group of people, it's like, I don't want to feel like I have to keep an eye on somebody, but I still feel that way. Yeah, I think that part will get easier. I do. I think mm. I don't know how long it takes. I think it'll get easier. I truly, I don't feel like I think about it that much anymore. This month's just been weird just because it's like a timeline thing. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a, I don't recommend dating an alcoholic or marrying one. Can't mm-hmm. tell you how little I recommend it. I'm proud of you for leaving. If you're going to stay, um, when I was thinking about staying, one of my like demands in hostage negotiation <laughs> was that he had to go to AA meetings. And I went with him to the first one. And that was one of the most difficult experiences I've ever been to in my life. Those people are fucking incredible. I I have nothing but respect for the alcoholics NAA working the program and living their life. I mean, they are just, just badass, strong human beings. And I went to the meeting and I cried my eyes out. And I even had somebody in the meeting, like, look at me crying and be like, this is really triggering for me seeing you. Because, like, you are why I came to a meeting. Because they say that, like, you go to AA because of the three L's. Like, the law, your liver, or somebody loves you. Because usually an alcoholic doesn't typically just decide that they need help unless they hit some sort of wall. Mm-hmm. And I made him go. And different people there were, like, sad I was there. But also, like, I needed a reminder of why I'm doing this shit in the first place. And that there's somebody who feels like you do like and watching you hurt like that knowing that I put someone I love through that is going to make me more likely to stick to this 
but it was hard. It was really hard. I went to one meeting that if you are going to stay with an alcoholic, I recommend a lot. They're called Al-Anon. You'll be able to find them on like the AA website that you'll see Al-Anon and they have different resources and you can type in like where you live and find different ones for different nights of the week around you. And they're meetings for people who loved ones have some sort of addiction, whether it's like narcotics or alcohol, and they meet and they have a program similar to a lot of resources AA, but they focus on setting boundaries, taking care of yourself, not enabling and like your life and how those people really fuck you up because they do. They really, they really fuck you up and they won't remember what they put you through. Right. They, they're having a good time and then their world goes dark and they wake up and their partner is furious or upset, you know? Yeah. And they're like, has to be weird, a weird feeling. Yeah. I've never experienced that, but I haven't either, but also they're probably like, well, I don't remember. So it's not really my fault, but it is, it is their fault. Yep. It's their fault. They're grownups and they're making a decision. Yeah. So if, A, I don't think you have to live that way. And if you're living that way, I'm sorry. And our hearts go out to you. And if, you know, you are married, which I take marriage very seriously. I'm not saying that you just walk away from a marriage at all. I tried to make it work. I, In no way did I take my vows lightly. Um, If you do choose to stay, or if you're dating and you choose to stay, I really recommend AA and Al-Anon. And you don't... like you can demand change from them or at least attempt to change and then be like, I will leave if it's not, if you're not going to change because I don't deserve to live this miserable fucking existence. And then stick to that, right? Because if you make a claim like that and then you stay, that's an enabling behavior too. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, if you don't follow, like, th- oh, there's actually no consequences. Cool. Yeah. Like if you, I don't love ultimatums, but like if you're going to do an ultimatum in a scenario like that where it's necessary, you lose all negotiating power if you don't follow through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and I will say like, so two of my favorite family members, my aunt and uncle are I don't know, in their 60s now and they have been sober um, my whole life, I think probably it's this year might be 30 or something crazy like that. 30 years. They had, it turned out that they had the same sober day that they got sober or decided to um, join the program. And that's something that they celebrate as like an extra anniversary with the two of them. And they've been going to AA meetings like two to six times a week for 30 years yeah and they go and they do it for themselves but at this point they're like you know they sponsor um people who are joining the program they have social events at like so obviously sober social events at their house like you know um a book club or just like a meetup that kind of thing and they are resources to their community Um, because they worked the program properly and stuck together. They, I mean, they didn't get together obviously on their sober anniversary. That's not a good idea, but they, 
it turned out that they had the same sober anniversary, you know, mm-hmm. and they're wonderful and they have been clean for decades. The stories that these two fucking people tell you would not believe they are the two people that I would ever call if I got into big fucking trouble. Oh, yeah. They can't they can't judge. Well, there's I, no I, judgment. I also think that when like we are you probably hear us talking about drinking and are like, oh, they're no fun or they would judge me. You mm, when you have either been an alcoholic or been with an alcoholic, we cannot judge. No, you I mean, we're giving you the like PG-13 stories of shit that we have. You know, mm-hmm. there's there is no judgment. So I hope that, you know, if you reached out to us privately, you would never think that we would judge you because if you knew some of the shit that I have done or I have laid witness to and have not told anyone, you would know I could never judge you. No, there's no judgment. I feel a little neurotic about like my own personal relationships when it comes to alcohol. Mm -hmm. But no, no judgment. And like I said, two of my favorite people in the the world are, you know, in recovery and have been for a long time. So it's not like I don't have love for people who struggle with addiction. That's absolutely not the case. Um, But when people are deep in it, they fucking drag other people down with them. And that is a fucking fact. And if you are being drugged down, you don't have to. And whatever happens after you leave, if you decide to, is not your fucking fault. No. And it's not your responsibility. And if you choose to love them, it's a hard choice and I respect you for it. But that doesn't mean that you have to drown with them. No. I was doing like a lot of Googling about dating an alcoholic or being married to an alcoholic. And it was like training a fucking dog was kind of the vibes that I got. It was like positive reinforcement when they don't drink and like, you know, don't be around them if they decide they're going to drink. It's like, okay, but like I fucking live here and I have shit that I need to do and rest that I need to get. So, you know, I don't have to have another full-time job of dealing with a drunk. Yeah. I listened to podcasts about it. I remember when I was trying to decide what to do, I was like listening to podcasts and people's stories and just, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I hope you get help. I hope they get help. Also like personal therapy, like not just Aladon, like in a group, but like going to a therapist, like you deserve to have someone on your team and looking out for your best interest. So I can't recommend that enough. And don't hide shit from people you love. I know you feel this like instinct to and you want to protect them, but don't don't do it because you are just isolating yourself and hurting yourself. Don't do it. Can you not hear me? You're still frozen. Can you hear me? My battery on my computer was just about to die. Oh, okay. It said poor connection. So I was like, God damn it. Sorry. 
I thought it was me. I was like, fuck, what do I got to do now? No, no, no. That was me. Okay, cool. But yeah. I forgot to plug in. You're fine. <laughs> oh, no. No, the thing went away and it says it's good. But yeah. Honestly, I think that's that's all I have on it. That's, that's it's stressful and more people than you would think either are going through it or have been through it. So fucking true. Um, so, you know, now you know two people who have been through it. And if you need a sounding board or encouragement, either one way or another, or resources, uh, you have two. Yeah. So very true. And we're here. And, you know, we are... We're nurses. We're used to keeping shit to ourselves and HIPAA laws and everything else that if you ever need to talk, we're both willing to listen and we'll not judge your choices one way or another. And we just want you to have your best life. And if you also are the one with a drinking problem, I hope that you do get help because you are bringing down those around you with you. And you're not okay because if you're drinking like that, there's other shit you got to deal with and that's not a long-term coping mechanism. And there are so many resources and your life doesn't have to be like that. Right. And sometimes people don't think they have a drinking problem, but if you are having a few drinks every day after work to unwind and you know, every single day you're doing something where you're drinking until you kind of just go to sleep, whether or not you're passing out from being drunk or you're just kind of like um, numbing yourself until you can get to sleep. Uh, Alcohol is not a sleep medication. If anything, it makes you sleep less or not less, but worse. Like less effectively, Um, yeah. You're probably dehydrated. Drink some water. And like Stephanie said, if you are managing something internal with drinking, that's not a sustainable coping mechanism. And it's time to pinpoint why you feel the need to self-medicate. And talking to someone is a good way to get to the root of that and hopefully lead a healthier life. Yeah. And we're here to listen too. We may not have as much insight, but we've loved an alcoholic before and we can love on you and help you get what you need to. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. All right. Well, on that note, sorry for a kind of sad, not funny episode, (laughs) but you know, we got to sprinkle these in between because sometimes you got to make shitty stuff work and you know, that can't always be as fun and funny. No. And life is not always fun and funny. So hopefully this gave you a little bit of insight. Hopefully you either found someone to relate to or had your eyes opened a bit. Agreed. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Morgan, where can they see us till next time? Instagram at Make It Work Podcast. Twitter at Make It Work Pod. Facebook.com slash make it work podcast and make it work podcast at gmail.com. Boom. All right, Mark. <laughs> Night. Love you. Love you too.